Welcome to this podcast from Coburnie Old Cook for Sunday the 30th of August. As many of you will by now know, we will be back in church from next Sunday, Sunday the 6th of September, subject to government and church guidelines. We are restricted in the numbers who can attend at the Old Cook to a maximum of 30 people. That's subject to two metre distancing. So I would ask you please have a look at our website or our Facebook page to see how you need to register your attendance and this will stop us having to go above the maximum allowed 30. I will however continue to upload a podcast each week and this will be available on a Sunday after morning worship. So let's now draw close to God. Let us pray. Loving God, you call us to turn away from our own selfish interests, to take up our cross and to follow you, to find our lives. May we live them in service of your mission. As we come before you today, give us open hearts and open hands. Make us eager to hear your voice and to seek your guidance. Open our minds to your ever-present spirit, your spirit that is always moving within us and around us. Open our spirits to your nudging and open our lives to your love. In your name we pray. Amen. Turning to scripture for this week, our gospel reading comes from the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 16, and reading from verses 21 to 28. Matthew 16 at verse 21. Let's listen for the word of God. From that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and undergo great suffering at the hands of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord, this must never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan, you are a stumbling block to me. For you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. Then Jesus told his disciples, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit them if they gain the whole world but forfeit their life? Or what will they give in return for their life? For the Son of Man is to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay everyone for what has been done. Truly, I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Amen. And may God bless this reading of his holy word. From our Bible reading, we hear Jesus told his disciples, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. These verses are ones that really make your head spin 
At first reading, they don't seem too difficult to understand, but the longer you think about them, the dizzier you get, and the more they start to play tricks on you. Deny yourselves, take up your cross. Those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. So, if I'm selfish with my life, I will lose my life. But if I'm generous and give up my life, I will gain it. Therefore, I will be generous with my life because I know that I want to gain it. But wait, then I'm simply being generous for my own gain? Am I simply being generous to save my own neck? It can indeed be a dizzying text. I think that a lot of people interpret this text in only one of two ways. Firstly, some hear it as a call to live a meagre life, denying themselves of joy, denying themselves of an abundant and a full life. It's an attempt to delay joy and to delay gratification, to delay it until they reach heaven. They are convinced that the more I deny myself life's comforts here and now, the greater my reward will be in heaven. In essence, no pain, no gain. Secondly, others hear this text as a justification or perhaps a reason for the suffering that has already burrowed into their life. They may say when faced with suffering, well, this must be my cross to bear. I think that paints a picture of a kind of drill sergeant god, one who's in the business of giving you more and more obstacles, more and more struggles in your life, just to see how long you can endure them. And I'm afraid that's because of this interpretation, many, many have endured hardships for years, ones that they should never have endured. They're terrified each day, they endure, they hang on, they believe it's a cross that God has called them to bear. So they just grin and bear it, trusting to God and a God who can seem so cruel. If these were the only two ways to hear this text, then I would have difficulty. I might even want nothing to do with it. But yet, what if, what if there is another way of hearing the text? You see, it seems to me that our gospel reading is not about a call to a life of suffering. It's not about denying oneself the pleasures in life in order to receive a future joy in heaven. It's not about a God who is simply playing a game with us. I believe that this text is not about a reason for our suffering. It's not about a God that deliberately hurts us by giving us different crosses to bear. What if this text is about not being afraid? Not being afraid of evil. Not being afraid of death. About not fearing the suffering places in our lives that can often feel so much like death. You see, for the moment that we start to fear death, it won't be long before we start to fear life. And I believe that this was the case for Peter. Just before our Gospel reading in Matthew, Jesus asked his disciples, Who do you say that I am? And Peter is the one who steps forward and says, You are the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus affirms Peter by saying, Yes, blessed are you, Peter. The problem is, Peter is really expecting a different kind of Messiah. In Peter's mind, and in the mind of many, the Messiah is one who comes in strength and power. 
when we will defeat the evil powers of the world. And as a follower of Jesus, Peter expects to be part of such a glorious battle. So when Jesus begins to share with his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, that he must undergo great suffering and death, it's no wonder that Peter cries out, God forbid it, Lord, this must never happen to you. Suffering and death were not the future that Peter envisioned for the Messiah, and they were not the future he envisioned for himself. If Jesus must go to Jerusalem and face suffering and death, doesn't that then mean that Peter, as one of his disciples, must go and experience the same? Peter was afraid for Jesus' life, but he was afraid for his own life as well. The moment we start to fear death, it won't be long before we start to fear life. We must not fear death. We must not fear the evil in this world. The mother, who was so focused on protecting her own children from any danger in the world, kept them homeschooled, which in itself is fine. But in addition, she never let them outside of their home. And as a result, they had absolutely no concept of building relationships, no concept of friends or how to make them. She had convinced them that the world was an evil place and that they must feed it. She did this because she thought she believed that this would protect her children. Yet in the end they all needed counselling. She was just suffocating the life out of them. Jesus wants us to have life. Jesus places before us life, a new life, an abundant life for each and every one of us. Now, did you notice that Jesus is in search of life in our Gospel text? I didn't see it at first reading either, but listen to the text once again. Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and undergo great suffering at the hands of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And on the third day be raised. Resurrection. Jesus' ultimate goal was to go to Jerusalem to be raised. So Jesus is not going to Jerusalem in search of death. He's going to Jerusalem in search of life. A new life. An abundant life. A resurrected life. Jesus asks us to take up our cross and follow him. Not to death, but to life. A resurrected life. So this text is about not fearing death, about not fearing those suffering moments of life, ones that can feel like death. Yes, in life there will be pain, in life there will be suffering. It's all part of the human experience. Jesus asks his followers to take up their crosses and follow him into Jerusalem. And he's asking you and I to do the same. Not because he wants to give us pain and suffering, for he already knows that we have pain and suffering. Jesus is fully God and he is fully human. He's experienced pain and he's experienced suffering. Pain and suffering, all part of the human experience, they are part of the world. And yes, God loves the world. Jesus tells us to take up our cross and to follow him. So we'll go through this together in search of a resurrected life. So we take up our crosses because yes, there are crosses to be taken up. What else is there to do? 
The only other option is to deny that there are any crosses in the world, which will lead us into denial, to a fear of death, and then on to a fear of life. To take up one's cross is to embrace both the pain and the suffering of the world, and to embrace the hope of discovering life, a resurrected life within it all. A full life is not one that's absent of suffering, but one that faces suffering, faces it with the courage to search for life within it. A full life is not one that is absent of suffering, but one that faces suffering with the courage to search for life in the midst of it all. The path is ours to walk, is ours to choose. Choose life, choose an abundant, resurrected life. Amen. And now, let us pray. Lord, you call us to be your voices in this world, and we stay silent. You call us to be your hands in this world, and we keep them hidden. You call us to be your feet in this world, and yet we go our own way. When we meet those who are doubting and say nothing, forgive us. When we meet those who need your touch and do nothing, forgive us. When we are called to take up your cross and carry and carry nothing, forgive us. Breathe life into these bones, bring freedom to these lives that we might declare with heart and soul and voice that you are our Lord and our God. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all this day and forevermore. Amen.